This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It is notoriously hard to deal with and it leads to one of the last socially acceptable prejudices. I'm talking about obesity. Doctors who treat obesity and the advocacy group Obesity Canada together are offering new guidelines for both treating and defining the condition. And the crux is focusing on whether a person's body fat impairs their health rather than focusing on their weight and size. Clinicians also want to get rid of BMI, body mass index, as the way to measure obesity, and they want it recognized as a complex condition and not just the result of a lack of willpower. So, what do you have to say about that? And have you been afflicted with this or, or the attitudes toward this? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. Now we are going to bring in a panel of experts. Dr. Arya Sharma, who is the founder and scientific director of Obesity Canada and who was involved in these guidelines, which were published in the Canadian Medical Journal. Dr. Jennifer Brown, a registered dietitian with the Ottawa Hospital's Bariatric Centre and uh, the coordinator for the Canadian Obesity Advocacy Network, Ian Patton. Hello, thank you for joining us and welcome to you all. Well, thank you very much for having us on the show. Okay, great. Let us start with Dr. Sharma. Uh, Why did uh, we need new guidelines for this? Well, you know, obesity currently uh, affects about 8 or 9 million uh, Canadians who are living with this uh, disease. And the last time we had guidelines uh, in Canada for the management of obesity was back in 2006. Uh, now, a lot has happened in those last 15 years. Uh, we've had huge advances in our understanding of the biology of obesity. Uh, we have a whole bunch of new treatments. And uh, we've come to recognize that obesity really needs to be managed like a chronic disease in the same way that you would manage diabetes or any other chronic disease. Uh-huh. And uh, so how will this translate uh, now? What What's the main thing that is going to change as a result of these guidelines? Well, there's a couple of things. The most important one is certainly uh, the concept that obesity, once you have it for whatever reason, is probably going to be with you forever in the sense that you're going to have to uh, find the treatment or find a way of controlling it that you can you can pretty much do for the rest of your life because what we do know about obesity is whenever you stop the treatment, uh, whatever that treatment might be, uh, the weight is going to come back. And that is just normal biology. That's how bodies work. Bodies tend to defend their weight, and if you force them to lose weight, uh, your body is going to fight you and it's going to want the weight back. Uh, and so this really becomes a lifelong battle for most people, and that's really what defines obesity as a chronic disease. Uh, now, the second important point that is uh, that is in the guidelines is that we are moving away from, uh, you know, just using the scale and the measuring tape to define who has obesity and who doesn't. Uh, so the new definition that you will find in the guidelines is that 
you only have obesity when your body fat or your body weight is affecting your health. Uh, if you if your body fat or your body weight is not affecting your health, well, then you just happen to be someone who lives in a large body, and that is not obesity. So this old idea that you could step on the scale or calculate your BMI and look it up on a chart and then you know decide who has obesity or not, uh, that is really a, you know a concept that we're moving away from. Uh, and a third important concept in this is that the focus of obesity management is really about improving health and well-being, and it's not so much about losing weight. If I can if I can improve the health and if I can improve the well-being of my patient with obesity without weight loss, then that's great. Uh, sometimes it is going to take weight loss for some of the problems, but uh, the focus is really ultimately on improving health and well-being and not so much focusing on the numbers on the scale. Okay. Jennifer Brown, uh, you're a dietitian. Uh, are the diets for people who are obese, are they different than a healthy diet for anyone else? A great question. Thanks, Libby. Um, I think one of the biggest messages we're trying to uh, come across with the guidelines is that um, healthy eating is, 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 is important for all Canadians, regardless of what someone's weight or body size or health condition is. And um, similar to what Dr. Sharma mentioned about the messaging around focusing on health, we want to do the same when it comes to nutrition. Um, there isn't a special um, diet per se, and, and we like to refer to um, things as just eating patterns. Uh, we all eat, we all enjoy food, and, you know, some people um, are more prone to, uh, unfortunately, gaining weight that can cause impairment to their health. And so we want to make sure that people are, are eating in a way that respects their body, uh, enjoys food, that uh, doesn't demonize uh, food or food choices, and, and really um, something that's individualized to each person. So... Uh, for those folks who might need a little bit more um, of an individualized type of nutrition plan, that's where uh, seeing a registered dietitian who has uh, training and expertise in, in that area, they can help support people uh, that can be customized to them. Ian Patton, uh, you're director of advocacy. So uh, did did these changes, was was that inspired by, by people who uh, are obese or... Um, in terms of changing the medical treatment? Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the key takeaways for individuals living with obesity from, from these new guidelines is that we now have a uh, tool that we can use to advocate for ourselves and the care that we need and deserve. Um, for too long now, we've been kind of uh, not given the supports and, and, uh, and treatment that, you know, other chronic conditions are afforded. And um, having these guidelines gives us a tool that we can point to and, and kind of take to the doctors or take to the health professionals and, and start sparking some good discussions about how we should be uh, managed for our chronic disease. Um, you uh, grew up with obesity. Um, give me some of uh, an, an idea of some of the, the biases that you suffered from. Yeah, I, I, I grew up with obesity, I, I've kind of lived with it as long as uh, as, uh, as I can remember. Um, for me personally, growing up, I dealt with a lot of the bullying and, and, and different things that, you know, most people would, uh, would kind of recognize, uh, you know, being the big kid in school and, and things like that. I would say my personal experiences weren't quite as traumatic as some of my peers. Um, oftentimes, we experience um, some very traumatic uh, experiences that can contribute to obesity as well. 
Um, but when it comes to, let's say, healthcare, for example, oftentimes, you know, we're not treated in the same way when we go in to see the doctor. So that, you know, we doctors spend less time with us or they attribute um, any of our ailments or, you know, concerns about our health to our weight, even if they don't happen to be related to our weight. And there's a lot of times where um, even when we are there to talk about our obesity and, and trying to get control of that, um, we're given non-evidence-based kind of treatment options and simply kind of brushed off or told to, you know, go home and eat a salad and start exercising a bit more. And, and that, that just doesn't address the complexity of the condition. Okay, I'd like to give the numbers out. I am sure there are people out there who can identify with this, who have suffered or who have tried and uh, uh, failed to lose weight or they keep regaining the weight and uh, it's a lifelong struggle. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free one. 1- 866-740-4740. I am talking to Ian Patton, who's the Director of Advocacy and Public Engagement with Obesity Canada, Jennifer Brown, a registered dietitian, and Dr. Arya Sharma. And they are all involved with these new guidelines for treating obesity. And Dr. Sharma, uh, the conventional wisdom is that... Uh, Obesity is a risk factor for a whole raft of medical conditions, diabetes, heart disease, other cardiovascular disease, stroke, even Alzheimer's disease. Uh, are, are you uh, saying that's not true or downplaying that? No, actually, actually uh, that's, that's very much true. In fact, there's almost 200 conditions for which your risk goes up if you, if you have obesity. Uh, and that's really what makes obesity a disease. Uh, you know, we define a disease as a status where, which impairs your health and it impairs your well-being, and that's what obesity is, and that's why we call it a disease. Uh, and as I've alluded to, it's not, an, it's not a disease which we can cure. It's a disease which we can, you know, help manage and try to control, but it generally ends up being a lifelong battle. Uh, and, 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 and I don't know whether they get to this in this conversation, but one of the things that I often hear when we talk about providing better obesity treatments to people living with obesity is that while we don't have the money, we don't have the cost, uh, we can't afford to do this. Uh, when in reality, we are spending a lot of money on all of these other conditions uh, that we are treating just because we're not treating obesity. So uh, uh, I hope you get to this discussion. So uh, absolutely not. I mean, these guidelines are not downplaying the importance of obesity. If anything, they're actually emphasizing the importance of obesity and the impact that it has on people's health. A couple of things, uh, you know, one of the things that I've noticed over the years, uh, it seems to be one of the most controversial things. You know, I would see a study that said, uh, and and I'm going to use the word fat because that's what's used in the study. Yes, you can be fat and fit. And then a few minutes, a few months later, I'd see another study that say, absolutely no way at a certain weight it is impossible for a person to be fit. So it's all, you know, very confusing trying to follow this. Well, well you know, that's, that's discussed very, you know, in great detail in the guidelines because one of the things we do know about, uh, about obesity is that different levels of fatness have different impact on people's health. So, so you know, you can have one person who gains 10 pounds and ends up having diabetes and fatty liver disease, and the next person can gain 50 pounds and not have that problem. 
Uh, so there's a lot of diversity, which is really why we are moving away from simply using the scale to define who is the, you know, who is the person who is the sickest and who needs treatment. In fact, uh, in the guidelines, we talk about a new system uh, called the Edmonton Obesity Staging System, where really the emphasis is on looking at the health of the individual and basing decisions around treatment, the type of treatment, et cetera, uh, on the actual health status of a patient and not just on their size. Uh, to give you a very extreme example of, of, of healthy obesity, if you want, I mean, if you take a, a sumo wrestler, you know, who weighs in at 300 or 350 <laughs> pounds, that is that is competitive to athlete. That person does not have obesity. Uh, that's just a person living in a very large body who's, who's, who's a high-performance athlete. So, uh, of course, for most people who weigh 300 pounds or 350 pounds, uh, they're not sumo wrestlers. They're probably not competitive athletes, and they probably sooner or later do have health problems. Uh, but, uh, you know, just to pick an extreme example, it's not your size or your body mass index that, uh, that, that determines whether or not the fat that you're carrying in your body is affecting your health or not. That can happen at very low BMI levels, uh, and unfortunately it does, and even those people probably are going to benefit from obesity management. Okay, let's go to Diane in Riverdale. Hello, Diane. Hi there. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Well, thank you so much for getting my, uh, taking my call. Um, I've been overweight or obese most of my adult life. I was a slim child and a slim teenager, and then I had two children. That that not doesn't always that's not always a factor. And um, I'm in the process of losing weight. Um, I don't get on scales because that discourages me. I basically notice my clothes are getting looser. And doing something called intermittent fasting, which is working for me. And I basically eat healthy foods, but I do have the odd snack. And I feel a lot better. Uh, I'm going to let uh, Jennifer Brown comment on that. Um... Right. Thanks so much, John, Diane, and um, I think you brought up a really good point that, um, you know, this way of eating for you is seems to be working for you, um, and I think that's a really important factor. When it comes to nutrition, there's so many um, different types of eating patterns out there. We hear all kinds of uh, different types of diets or different types of ways of eating, and um, what, what works for one person may not work for another person. Um, what we found in the guidelines is that there are a number of different ways that people can eat that can improve their health, whether it helps to control their hunger or reduce some cravings or give them a bit more energy or whatever the focus is. But I'm happy to hear you say that you're you know, not stepping on the scale and that um, you're using your clothing size or other kind of health improvements um, that can work. The the thing that we always want to be mindful of is making sure that if you're following intermittent fasting or any other type of eating pattern, it's something that you could see yourself doing long-term. And I think that's the key that we have found is that it's got to be something you can live with for the rest of your life um, yes. for it to work. Yes. And another thing that, that I've learned in my old age is that there's more to a woman's attractiveness than just being a size zero. <laughs> I, I will not go down to my teenage size. I, mean, I might have looked really cute at, 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 when I was a teenager at 113 pounds, but I'd look pretty haggard today. I'd be happy to get down to about 130, 135. That's and pretty slim. Go ahead. No, that's my interjection. 130, 135. I don't know how tall you are, but that's pretty slim. Well, I'm, I'm five feet tall, so every ounce kind of shows. But I'm not just doing it because, I mean, granted, there's a certain amount of vanity in it, like I want to look better. But I have arthritis, and I find just losing this weight, 
uh, I'm able to walk a little more. I seem to have a little more energy. And like I said, I choose healthy foods. But last night I had a nice bowl of ice cream and didn't even feel guilty about it. Good for you, Diane. Thanks so much for your call. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, all of you. Okay. A um, couple of things, uh, Dr. Sharma. Is uh, intermittent fasting something you'd recommend? Well, as Jennifer pointed out, there's a lot of different dietary strategies. I mean, you know, uh, and, and people have tried a lot of different things. And there's good, you know, there, there's studies on almost every kind of diet. You can look at the Mediterranean diet. You can look at the Ornish diet. You can look at low-fat diets. You can look at keto diets, which are very popular right now. Uh, once again, very popular because keto diets have been around forever. Uh, they keep coming back, it seems, in a cycle. And right now we are going through a keto cycle again, uh, probably for the 15th time or so you know, in my lifetime. That's like an uh, Atkins and, diet, right? Uh, pardon me? It's like an Atkins diet, the high protein. It's, it's very similar to an Atkins diet. Basically, you're cutting out calorie, uh, You're cutting out uh, uh, carbohydrates, uh, so you're restricting that. So, so, so there's a number of different diets. And as Jennifer pointed out, you know, different diets work for different people. And, and, and part of uh, what you'll see in the guidelines is there is no clear recommendation on which the best diet is because none of these diets are the best. Uh, they might be the best for one person, but the same, exact same diet might totally fail or not be something that someone else is willing to do or, or, or able to do. Uh, and so, you know, going back to your listener, if intermittent fasting works for her, well, you know, all power to her. Uh, the problem with all diets and all restrictive diets is that they are very, very difficult to adhere to in the long term. So people do these usually while they're losing weight, everybody's happy and they feel a lot better and they've got the energy, they see all the benefits. Uh, but, you know, at some point, everybody hits the weight loss plateau, which means that essentially the diet stops working if you want in terms of weight loss. So you hit this plateau and now you're still doing the diet. You're still restricting your calories or your carbs or whatever it is that you're restricting. And then you find you stop losing weight. And that's when people lose motivation uh, and very often then fall back into their old dietary patterns. And uh, unfortunately, the weight comes right back. And in fact, it comes back at twice the speed at which you lost it. So uh, that is really the problem with the dietary approach to obesity management, that it's really very, very difficult to maintain in the long term for most people. Uh, Ian Patton, how did you get your weight under control? Uh, like Dr. Sharma suggested, this is something that I'm going to live with for the rest of my life. So it's it's an ongoing issue for me. It's something that I'm going to always be dealing with. Um, you know, I when I hit about 30 years old is, is kind of when I realized I needed to do something different. I'm a kinesiologist by trade, an exercise physiologist, and, and I have a reasonable understanding of, you know, activity and, and nutrition. And so I had over the years done several things, you know, trying to lose weight. I've tried all those diets that you could think of. I tried supplements. I've tried extreme exercise routines. And, uh, you know, I had lost weight before and gained it back. Um, but when I hit about 30, I was really sick and I needed help. And uh, so then I started seeking out um, support with that. And so 2014, I ended up having a bariatric surgery. Um, which was part of my obesity management. And then since then, um, it's just been a combination of other tools that are available there. So, you know, the, the health, healthy behaviors are part of that. Um, but, you know, there's medications that are out there that can be effective in helping some people and cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, things like that that are going to get to the root causes of, uh, of obesity and, and trying to support people in maintaining those healthy behaviors. So uh, that, that's been really helpful and beneficial for me. 
Okay. Uh, let me give the numbers out again. We're talking about new guidelines for treating and defining obesity. Uh, if you'd like to weigh in, if you have a comment, do you want to talk about your own struggles, or if you have a question, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Dr. Sharma, I have a couple of questions. So you mentioned about the weight coming back. And, you know, that happens to people, even if they're not obese, if they're just, you know, with the, you know, 10 or 15 or, or 20 pounds extra that, that people sometimes pack on. And, and I'm wondering, so why is it that some people, even with a, you know, relatively small amount of weight, some people, it keeps coming back. And, and I know lots of people who've put on weight and they, diet usually, and it might be a little extreme, but they, they keep it off after. Uh, and I know that counting calories is not in fa- it's not in favor now, but if you just sort of keep the total number of calories down, uh, won't that kind of uh, hold you? Okay, so uh, that's a great question. So by the way, uh, oh, you know, the way I explain this to my patients is that bodies generally like to gain weight, but they don't like to lose it. So when you try to lose weight, your body's essentially it's going to fight you. It's not going to want to lose weight. Uh, and it sort of sets you up for weight regain. Now, this, this is not just humans. Uh, this is not just you and I. Uh, this, uh, this will happen to your dog or your cat. If you put your dog on a diet and you get your dog to lose weight, the dog's probably going to put the weight back on sooner or later. And the same is going to happen to your cat. The same might happen to your goldfish. I mean, that's just how bodies work. Uh, now, usually the body is going to defend the highest weight that you've had, that you've you reached. So if you've never been heavier than 120 pounds, well, then the 120 pounds is what your body is going to respond to. Now, if someone who's 120 pounds wants to be 110 pounds and tries to lose 10 pounds, their body is going to fight them in the same way that somebody who's 300 pounds wants to get down to 250 pounds. It's almost going to be the same fight uh, because bodies are simply going to resist weight loss. There's a very, very complex biology there. It's a very powerful biology and unfortunately, what we've learned is this biology never gives up, which means this, this biology is not going to rest till, till your body gets you back to where you've started from. Now, the people that you mentioned who have been so-called successes or long-term successes or the people who claim to have conquered obesity, well, when you actually look at what they're doing, they're all treating their obesity. And none of these people have been cured of obesity. They are all using techniques uh, that allowed them to maintain the lower body weight. They're all following either it's a diet or an exercise regimen. Some of them might have, you know, completely changed their lifestyle. Well, that lifestyle change for them is the treatment. If they were to fall back into their old lifestyle, it would probably take them 12 weeks to put all the weight back on. So, you know, I've never met anybody whose obesity has been cured, and I've been doing this for 30 years. I have met a lot of people like the ones you talk about who have managed to find a way to control their obesity, uh, and they call it conquering obesity, which is, which is fine with me. Uh, but I don't look at these people as being cured. Uh, they still have a lifelong battle ahead of them. Uh, and uh, it wouldn't take much for any one of those people to very quickly put on the weight that they've lost, even 10 years after they've lost it. Uh, you're, I know we're talking about obesity, but is is the same thing at play for people who are, you know, what would be called overweight or a little overweight, whatever? Yeah, it's always the exact same biological mechanism. And I can tell you, if I try to lose five pounds, my body's not going to like it. And probably those five pounds are going to come back uh, sooner or later. And that's what the evidence shows, uh, that, that, it's, uh, that, that bodies do not like to lose weight. And uh, which brings us to the reason why we talk so much about medication and surgery in the, in the program. Because what, one of the things that diets do not do is they don't really change that fundamental biology. 
you can trick your body into thinking that you've eaten, but ultimately your body is going to catch on and it's going to say, hey, what's going on with all my weight here? And it's going to start fighting back. That's when you hit the plateau. And then you then relax what you're doing uh, because you run out of steam, the weight just comes back. Now, what the medication and surgery does is it actually changes that underlying biology and it makes it much more difficult for the body to defend its weight, which means that you end up having a much easier job in terms of keeping weight off long-term. But that only, only applies as long if you're on medication. You've got to keep taking the medication. You stop taking the medication, the weight's going to come back. Uh, the surgery works because it's a long-term treatment, but, it, but let's take Ian, for example. If Ian went back to his surgeon and said, Dr. Surgeon, can you please unstaple my stomach? Guess what? It would take him a couple of weeks probably to put all the weight back on that he lost. So we don't have cures for obesity. We've got some treatments, not perfect treatments. They don't work for everybody. Uh, but in all cases, in every single case, it's a lifelong treatment. What, what's the medication? Uh, there's a couple of medications that we have in Germany. Uh, sorry, not in Germany, here in Canada. Uh, I was just talking to, the, <laughs> to a German newspaper just <laughs> before this call. Anyway, uh, so here in Canada, we have three prescription medications that are approved by Health Canada for long-term treatment of obesity. Uh, one of them has been around for a long time. Many listeners might have actually tried it. It's a, it's, it's a medication called Zenical. It, it, it works in the gut by, by making uh, fat absorption more difficult. Uh, has some very unpleasant side effects, and that's why this has never been a very popular medication. Uh, but we do have newer medications on the market now. One of them is a hormone that uh, kind of tricks the brain into thinking that you've eaten when you've actually uh, not eaten that much. And so it, it, it kind of counteracts what your body you know, thinks is happening. Then there's another medication that we have out there right now, uh, which is a medication that really works for people who have a lot of cravings uh, and for people, again, who... Uh, you know, find that they have a difficulty controlling the, the amount of food that they eat. So these two medications, they're pres- prescription medications. They have to be prescribed by a doctor. They don't work for everybody. Uh, unfortunately, in Canada also, most of our uh, insurance systems and the public system does not pay for these medications. So, you you know, you'll have to pay out of pocket, uh, which is quite expensive if you're going to have to do this long term, uh, which unfortunately you have to because, again, these medications don't cure obesity, but they treat obesity. Uh, so you're going to have to be taking them for long term in the same way that you might be taking your cholesterol medication or your blood pressure medication or your diabetes medication. Okay, let's uh, hear from Kate in Toronto. Hello, Kate. Oh, hi there. Thank you for taking my call. What worked for me, and I started this 13 years ago when I had so many health issues and I was quite obese and could barely walk, my feet were so swollen, is I started on Dr. Peter Didamo's eat right for your blood type. In seven weeks, I lost 35 pounds, and I felt as if I was in somebody else's slimmer body. I've continued to follow the eat right for your blood type way of eating ever since. Um, I'm in my late 60s. I cycle all over. I work with seniors. Um, I feel like I'm still about 20 with this type of eating plan. Um, I don't feel hungry. I eat the foods that nourish my blood, and um, it works for me. Well, that sounds great. Good good for you. You sound healthy and happy. And, and I am. And to me, I don't look upon uh, it being a disease. It's I needed to know what my body needed in the way of food. Now I know. And if I eat off the... Uh, Eat for, right for your blood type eating plan, I feel awful. I really feel rotten. 
So I'm continuing it, and I hope to live to be at least 100. Thanks very much. Okay, bye-bye. Good luck with that. Uh, We are... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that, um, you know, I think it was Kate that mentioned it's what she has been following for a while and is what makes her feel good. And um, I always want to remind listeners that it's really important to make sure that you find an eating pattern that works for you. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, the evidence doesn't support a lot of those types of mainstream diets or, um, you know, those type of eating patterns. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to work for one person or another. And, And Dr. Sharma really hit home around the importance of how everybody's very different and the body's biology is going to eventually want to, you know, fight if we stop following um, whatever that habit might be. Um, I do want to put a plug in for the fact that there's an enormous amount of stigma when it comes to eating. Um, and because uh, we are all, you know, we all have to eat, um, there tends to be a lot of focus put on quote-unquote healthy food versus unhealthy food. And I think it's really important that we kind of take that shame and blame off uh, food and food choices because how one person might eat might be different from another. So, uh, really respecting that and I think uh, focusing on what makes people feel good regardless of what their weight is, is I think the goal that we're trying to achieve. Okay, uh, you know what? Uh, we are unfortunately out of time. So I'm just going to say thank you very much for a very informative segment. Thank you to Ian Patton, Jennifer Brown and Dr. Arya Sharma. Really appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having us on your show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.